surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and I hope that you all are having a lovely week. This is our first full week in a new administration. Holla freaking Louisiana. Uh, really excited to hopefully see some change going forward. Really hoping to continue to see folks advocating and understanding that just because we have a new administration doesn't necessarily mean that things like white supremacy are completely solved. Uh, so I hope that y'all are continuing to feel motivated and putting in the work. I am so, so thrilled to have today's guest on. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation. I feel like she's amazing. have heard like absolutely wonderful things about her. So uh, before we get started with her, I do just want to make a quick note here on The Bachelor. I have been back on Twitter at uh, Taymoka, same as Instagram, and I've also been kind of sharing my thoughts on Instagram about the show. So for some of my thoughts on that, I would definitely pay attention to those platforms. Um, And speaking of Instagram, uh, the podcast page is almost at 10,000 followers. And that'd be an amazing milestone to hit after doing the podcast for like three years now. So if you don't follow the podcast page, please be sure to, we've got it linked here in the episode notes that you can check out, or you can find it on the bio on my page, uh, or you can just search for it at let's talk about it underscore podcast. So please give us a follow there. And if you haven't left us a a, uh, review yet or a star rating on iTunes, also super appreciate getting those. And I love the constructive feedback of which were your favorite episodes of what episodes you want to see more of. I totally understand. I think there was one on there about audio quality and it's really hard when everything is remote now. Our guests don't always have the best setups, uh, but we definitely do try to make sure that the sound quality is up to par and is enjoyable for y'all. They're might be a little bit of poor internet connection sometimes there, but you know, a lot of that is also out of our control. Uh, So I do appreciate your understanding there, but yeah, I do read the reviews and I do want to make sure that y'all are getting out of this, what you hope to, and that it's kind of meeting your, your expectations and that you also hold space for when maybe it does make you a little bit uncomfortable. That's kind of the whole point of doing this podcast in the first place. (laughs) Um, So just briefly here on bachelor stuff, uh, I just want to say a lot of what people are getting so upset at this season with the bullying and the name calling and just like the shaming of women is nothing freaking new on the show. Uh, I very much experienced that on my own season and there was no, you know, call together of, well, let's actually really discuss bullying and let's, you know, uh, have accountability what even is that in bachelor world? Um, you know, having accountability for understanding that your words are going to impact other people and uh, accountability. I think often when it is 
geared towards white women, we tend to feel defensive and we tend to feel like, oh, well, now you're attacking her. And accountability is not attacking. It's not cancel culture. Um, I really don't subscribe to cancel culture. I think that's really harmful. Uh, So obviously I don't wish bullying on any of the women who are actually bullying other women on uh, this season or on any other season. However, I do believe that accountability is really important. And I'm going to be really blunt here that the rewarding of Victoria on this season by production is really fucking upsetting. She was on this week's episode explicitly threatening violence, wishing violence, shaming other women, and yet they put her on Good Morning America. And if we really want to talk about, like, you know, change going forward, right, wanting to hold the franchise accountable, wanting to see representation, it's not enough to just have representation when there is still centering of white women, when there is still no accountability, when the behavior is such foolery and I know folks are like, well, don't make everything about race. You know, you're making it all about race. Race is in everything. Race is in everything. And everything mostly comes down to race. (laughs) So, you know, if this were a black contestant or a Asian contestant or, you know, anyone from a BIPOC community on this show behaving the way that Victoria was, oh, dear Lord, they would never be put on GMA. Never would they be put on Good Morning America. And it it sends a message that that behavior is entertaining, that that behavior is funny, that that's the behavior that's going to get you ahead, that that's the behavior that's going to get you opportunities. Same fucking thing we saw in my season, okay? And it's... It's really so ridiculous even that it's like, wow, okay, yeah, it's been five years later and I'm, you know, the same very similar type behaviors just continuously rewarded and, you know, again, highly recommend following Bachelor Diversity Campaign because they are always calling for things, not just like representation, but for airtime and for that to be quality airtime. Um, and, you know, they could have definitely given that Good Morning America spot to someone like Chelsea, who shared about how hair is emotional, right? They could have given it to someone like Michelle, uh, who came in with such just black girl magic on this episode. Um, you know, they could have even honestly given it to uh, Brittany to discuss, you know, the false allegations of her being an escort and talk about, you know, hopefully I would I would hope she would advocate for this. I don't really know. But, you know, to advocate that like sex work is work, um, right? Like there's so many other opportunities of quality, women of color, of black women on this show that could have had that Good Morning America spot, that could have had that access to, you know, a greater audience. And it might seem so trivial that it's like, oh, well, it's just an interview, but it's really not just an interview. And the interview itself sends a loud and clear message. And it's not, again, that like, I believe she should be punished but I don't think that she should be rewarded. And an appearance on a major platform like that 
is a reward. It is a reward. It is not accountability. And I know we will see her again. I highly doubt that there will have been any kind of personal growth or acknowledgement or apologies on her end. Let me tell you all the gaslighting that we saw. I mean, I definitely had to take a moment to be like, first of all, very proud of Katie because she did not give into it. She was very strong and she was very adamant to maintain her self-respect and her dignity and uh, did not allow Victoria to, to, yeah, it, <laughs> and I, and I did, I had a moment of like, okay, yeah, wow. That was like very similar to what I experienced in like a very shitty two-hour fuckery conversation and I gave into it and I apologized and I tried so hard to be so nice. And so it was really, really awesome to see Katie stand up for herself and for people to like have her back on it as well. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of the other cast members from the season support her and I would love to see more of that uh, because she does seem to be the one that is really actually calling out all of this, you know, like shaming of other women, which is again, nothing new on the show, but is like, let's move forward here. This is already a show that people associate with not being very feminist for rightful reasons and already feel really shitty watching because of that. And because of how we have these dates of, well, you know, are you going to really show Matt how much you want to fight for him, how much you're willing to fight for his love? And in a lot of ways, it does feel like a setback. It feels like... (laughs) very frustrating to watch and even to participate in. Um, so uh, again, I, I really, I didn't write down notes on this and I, I wasn't sure I was going to say anything to begin with at all, but, um, there were just so many pieces in this week's episode that felt really disappointing. Um, all of this around being an escort, you know, the way that that's thrown around as if it's this really negative thing. And it's like, okay, are you concerned that she's seen other people and therefore isn't interested in Matt? Are you concerned that she's going to be using Matt to try to get his money? Are you concerned that she's going to try to still see other men while also dating Matt, even though she's getting paid for it and it would be her work? Like what, what is the actual concern here? And the concern just seemed to be that, you know, she's not someone to trust because she's an escort because she gets paid to hang out with guys who make a lot of money. What's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with that. Well, first of all, it, it is wrong because it wasn't actually true. Um, so that's harmful in and of itself to be spreading a rumor or saying something about someone that just factually isn't true because then they have to defend themselves and they have to, uh, you know, kind of fix, fix their image and fix their, fix their name to actually show who they authentically are. Uh, so, you know, I think the overall sense was just that, she would be a slut. Well, actually, it wasn't even the overall sense. That was literally what Victoria said. Called her a slur. Not just taking us back, like, feminist-wise. That was taking us back to, like, fucking middle school with that word. Um, so sex work is work. 
I believe everyone that listens to this podcast probably understands where I stand on that. I've had many sex workers on the podcast. I support them. Um, I would love to see them have more quality and protection and work environment. And we don't get that by looking at it like, oh, she's an escort. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I had Jasmine, uh, Jet Setting Jasmine on the podcast in the episode Bust an Ethical Nut, her and her partner King, and did a Instagram TV live uh, video that's still up on my Instagram right now talking about sex therapists and sex work. And in that Instagram live, we discussed even what sex work is. And it really, like it, it could be a wide variety of things, right? Like modeling could be a form of sex work, right? Like we are all using our bodies and using what we have, using our brains, which is a part of our body, uh, you know, and many times in many different, excuse me, in many different outlets and careers are people using their sexuality in order to get paid, in order to get paid more, and and just get paid in general. Um, and we don't look look at that negatively, right? Uh, so many things of, so, so many ads, I'm sure, that some of y'all have even bought on Instagram. Those likely had an element of sex to them that is what was selling, you know? That's what people say, sex sells. Um, and there's really nothing wrong with a woman wanting to take control of that and make her coin with her body, period, point blank. So I'm happy to see that Katie's calling that out. I feel bad that Brittany has to has to deal with backlash on that. And I wish that there wasn't even backlash on it to begin with. Um, and I feel like there was someone, yeah, the kiss. Uh, I think there's definitely a double standard here. Um, you know, we did see Bennett kind of like forcefully kiss Tasha, which was incredibly uncomfortable to watch. But, um, you know, we saw Brittany come in real hot and just go through forced kiss on the mat. And that made me very uncomfortable and I think lacked full consent. Uh, but I think there is a double standard, right? Where people would look at that as like a guy would want that and he would never turn that down, which in some instances that might be wanted, but that's never a guarantee. And men are just as deserving and worthy of feeling emotionally safe in their sexual experiences and, and to have consent to have full consent into those experiences as women are. Um, and I, I think it's really important that we not lose track of that because that is also a part of patriarchy that impacts all of us, not just women. Uh, that also puts men at risk to be in situations and to have you know possible sexual dysfunction or disappointments within their own experiences because they aren't considering their emotional safety because they don't think that consent is something that is you know, relatable to them, but is something for women. Um, so th that was a piece that, that also came up for me. Um, there was just honestly so, so much in this entire episode. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about something that we could all be using a lot more of right now and really probably always, and that's sex. And this sponsorship is going out to all my penis havers out there because, you know, sometimes your penises are not going to work in the way that you would like them to. And that can be really frustrating sometimes. So I want you to listen up because Blue Chew can help give you a little bit of extra confidence in the bedroom because Blue Chew is bringing you the first chewable with the same FDA approved 
approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach so that you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is made in the USA and it's prescribed online by licensed physicians. So you don't have to go into the doctor's office or wait in the line. And it's even cheaper than a pharmacy. And they prepare it and ship it right to you in a discreet package. So there's no awkwardness and you don't even have to leave your house. <laughs> so right now we've got a deal for our listeners. You can visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code, Let's Talk, and you just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, chew.com with promo code, Let's Talk, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper choice, and we thank them so much for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help make this podcast possible. So please be sure to use our promo code, Let's Talk, at bluechew.com. Um, so I want to switch gears now and I want to introduce you to who my guest is going to be for today. Uh, we also talk about patriarchy. Uh, so I'm going to be talking with Luna Matatas and she is a sex and pleasure educator. She's got over 10 years of experience in sexual health and wellness internationally and locally. She really has like a playful approach to sexuality and she draws on creativity, confidence, and communication skills that we really all need to fulfill our pleasure potential. Uh, she teaches people how to build a better relationship with their bodies, practice empathy with their partners and securities and their needs, and how to get curious about their erotic imagination. Uh, Luna's classes are trauma and equity informed and include pleasure topics like play, uh, sorry, like anal play uh, to feminine dominance and to how to have a threesome, which I know is something that a lot of y'all are interested in hearing about. We don't, we won't really talk about threesomes today, but definitely in a future episode. Um, so with all of that said, I hope that y'all enjoy my little bachelor <laughs> venting, ranting moment here. And uh, now we can, uh, I guess, yeah. Let's talk about it. All right. Hello, Luna, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yes, same. I feel like we've been trying to do this for a while. You've been on my list to have on for quite a while uh, because I know I've seen you work with Dr. Jess, who we've had on the podcast, and she's amazing, and she has spoken so highly of you, Luna, like so highly that I was like, okay, yeah, no, we've got to, got to get Luna on here. Yeah. Likewise, the love from Jess for you was also, I was like, I have to meet this person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that's one of the things I love about just entering into the field of, of sexuality. I feel like everyone is a connector. Everyone's really passionate about what they do here. Um, and it's like a really special group of people. And I feel like it's also kind of a small, small world, small community. Yes, yes. We're a tiny little universe, but we've got like big hearts, big energy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and you've been in this field for over 10 years. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about kind of what got you into the field of sexuality in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about my journey because I, I think there's so many different ways to get into mm -hmm. this because it's such a mismatched kind of field and like we have yeah. to hodgepodge ourselves together. Yes. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah. I started very much from a, a public health perspective. So I studied health promotion and health communication. And my first few jobs were working more frontline with communities that didn't have access to HIV AIDS information and like mm-hmm. STI stuff. So I was working in Eastern and, and Southern Africa and um, very much focused on HIV prevention and then came back to, to Canada and worked with LGBT communities and seniors and sex and just like all these marginalized groups. Yeah. And it came to a point where I was like, okay, so I can talk until I'm blue in the face about condoms and people are still <laughs> like, yeah, but how do I get her to eat my butt and how do I get him to do this? And and so I started to, to explore through the feminist sex positive shops because they're the ones who are mm-hmm. offering classes and education, yeah. uh, just like teaching one or two classes here or there. And, you know, like four years later, here I am and doing pleasure-focused sex ed. Um, and that I come from a, a background that is not sex positive. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, I'm learning and growing as I teach others to learn and grow too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about like the importance of this education being pleasure focused and kind of, I know, I know in your coaching and even in your webinars, you talk a lot about um, confidence and, and pleasure. Can you talk about why that's important in general and maybe why that's important specifically for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think that when we get our sex ed in high school, it's it's so much about reproductive and um, like how to get pregnant or how not to get pregnant. And it really doesn't explore a lot of the skills that we actually need to use when we're having sex, like Mm -hmm. how to talk about your desires and how to explore fantasy and how to communicate your yes and your no. And um, I think that that when we just kind of give people the bare bones information, like here's where to get a condom it doesn't give them the skills to actually apply the tools that are available. And mm-hmm. our sexual health really needs this, this access and this representation and this like exploration stuff to be actually useful or else we're just kind of mm-hmm. staring at a bunch of technical information. And for me was, I didn't grow up knowing how to talk about my fantasies or, you know, how to communicate. And so pleasure-based sex ed has also built my confidence in that I need to be able to listen to my body. I need mm-hmm. to listen to my emotional safety needs. I need to listen to what makes me feel comfortable and not just kind of be dragged along by what the other person wants for the sake of obligation or this is how it's supposed to be or expectation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that I got triggered. I heard obligation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a people pleaser? Because I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> well, when it, when it comes to sex, I think so much of what women are taught is that they do have an obligation to fulfill the needs of their, you know, cis heterosexual, you know, heteronormative culture that we live in, uh, that they have, they have an obligation to please their man sexually and there's so little to no conversation at all on in fact in some in some instances actually it's completely uh, gone against, right? That it's like, don't even go there. Like, no, you are not even entitled to, you are not even deserving or worthy of the things that make you feel good. This isn't about you. You know, you need to fulfill this in order to be, um, uh, cared for in order to be provided for in order to be worthy of someone loving you, quote unquote, however we're defining love in that scenario. Right. So that word obligation, I think just in our culture, uh, around sex for women. I'm like, oh, I have felt that. 
Yeah, same. Absolutely. And that obligation makes us normalize things mm-hmm. like pain during sex or yeah. I don't feel like it, but it's Tuesday or Valentine's or, you know, and really never centering even pleasure that that isn't dependent on erections or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of cisgendered heterosexual men's pleasure. Like it's just it's not focused on on what women actually need and what they want. And, and mm-hmm. we kind of set up our sexuality to be like, well, that's cool. That's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not. We're busting that, right? <laughs> yeah, like, no. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. All right. We're going to take a short break right here to share a new sponsor of the podcast, Hire My DJ. And if y'all are like me, you do not enjoy going to a gym and you really just don't do it. Uh, Your form of working out is maybe more just moving your body and a more fun, entertaining, creative way to actually enjoy exercise. So just imagine yourself being able to effectively work out from the comfort of your home by using fitness party downloads with an animated DJ that will teach you and your family new dance moves. That's right. You can exercise and learn new dance moves at the same time at HireMyDJ.com where health is fun. Your fitness party will be delivered to you as a digital download. Just visit HireMyDJ.com, choose the DJ that you want to hire, and purchase your digital downloads and get the party started. It's all about fitness and family fun and just moving your body. But to get 25% off, you're going to want to listen. So you can go to HireMyDJ.com and use this promo code FUNHEALTH25 to get 25% off. Once again, visit HireMyDJ.com and use the promo code FUNHEALTH25. And I hope that y'all enjoy this new sponsor of the podcast. And now we can get back to the show. You spoke about, um, in a way, you know, through our, through the sex education that we do get, that there are things to kind of unlearn. Um, and, you know, as I'm reflecting here on just the word obligation, um, I know that's something that I've had to kind of unlearn and really get focused in on communicating my desires and my pleasures as you spoke about. Um, what's something that you've had to kind of unlearn throughout this, you know, throughout your t- 10 years kind of in this field, um, maybe kind of first getting into it? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite things is that, you know, sex doesn't have to end when the penis ends and that it can continue beyond that. We've got sex toys, we've got fingers, we've got, you know, sensuality, we've got hands and mouths and tongues. And there's this expectation that we're kind of racing against, you know, the orgasm and the ejaculation mm-hmm. of penises. So I think that was a huge one for me. And whenever I drop that in a room of women, you get this kind of like, wait, huh, what <laughs> kind, of, kind of look, right? Yeah, sex doesn't <laughs> When the penis ends, what? Like, who are you having sex with? I'm like, the same people you are, but I'm just setting different standards. Yeah. Yeah. I think another big one is I never knew about the clitoris. I didn't learn about the clitoris in school. I had no idea that it was a, I I mean, I knew from touching my own body, but I didn't know that it was such an important part of Hmm. vulva pleasure. Mm -hmm. And um, I think really being able to use our communication to direct to that kind of pleasure is something that, that we all have to learn because we're kind of just like, oh, well, penis and vagina or PNV is like the thing. And, it, that, and that's great too. That's so much fun, but it's, it really, most vulva owners are not orgasming from, mm-hmm. from penis and vagina. Yeah. It is really wild. The amount of focus and 
emphasis on vagina and penis in sex ed. And it, it, when you actually learn about the clit, it becomes so much clearer how pleasureless our sex ed is. The fact that the clit is like the one organ in the entire human body that we're aware of whose sole purpose is for pleasure is like, hold up. Y'all was keeping a secret from us this whole time. Like what? I've been cheated. I've been robbed of this. How the right. fuck is that not in our sex education? I don't know. <laughs> You're right. I feel robbed. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like the the clit needs to be included in our sex education. It is yeah. so is so important. And yeah, like you, I didn't learn about the clit until... I mean, I think I had always known because it's like kind of that joke, you know, of like, oh, well, can you find the clit, you know? But then it's like, (laughs) then it's like, you don't want to be a burden and you don't want to be like, oh, well, yeah, you know, can you find it? Or like, yeah, like you need to pleasure me. So then it doesn't even become a focus for me until like late, early, mid twenties of then like, oh, wait a second. Yes. Yes. To be a focus. (laughs) Yes. And you said such an important word there that that idea of feeling like our pleasure is a burden. Mm -hmm. And so all of these like, uh, you know, countless magazine articles that say things like, oh, you know, vulvas are are harder. Women are harder to make come. They're more complicated. And it's like, no, you just didn't even give us the freaking manual for how to do the thing. So (laughs) you left out the one spot that would just fucking get you there like that. Like, no wonder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty ridiculous. Um, And I feel like, I mean, I'm going to ask you this question, but I feel like this is what brought you towards peg the patriarchy yeah yeah (laughs) so what (laughs) we got to talk about pegging the patriarchy because this is the one thing this is on your bio on instagram as well and i had this was the first place i had ever seen this phrase and i remember saying like "Mm, this is my kind of person right here (laughs) and just like it was just so to the point and i was just like "Mm mm-hmm I fuck with that. That's exactly what we all need to be doing. Pegging the fucking patriarchy. Uh, Can you share with us kind of how that came about for you? Yes. And it brings me no like endless delight of when people like you are like, that's my person. Like that person gets me because of peg the patriarchy. It has brought so many cool people into my world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I coined peg the patriarchy in 2015. Mm -hmm. And it was about like, it was, I was starting my, my pleasure education business and I, I came up with it and I thought, this is so cool. And so taking everything that we've learned about, you know, how to behave under the patriarchy. So everything from conventional beauty standards to toxic masculinity to, you know, burden, our pleasure is a burden, all that stuff and really subverting it and then embodying that power so that it actually becomes Mm self-serving. And um, there, there really is something really powerful when we occupy the power that we've been told is not for us or that is power over us. And so pegging becomes this metaphor for um, fucking the patriarchy or smashing the patriarchy, but it really boils boils down to this idea of like um, really eliminating all of these systemic barriers that are impacting our pleasure. And so how we think about our bodies, how we interact with other people's bodies. I mean, consent would be, you know, Mm -hmm. something that was really focused on somebody else's pleasure and your pleasure and not about like trying to have to negotiate, am I going to hurt this person or not? It would just be rooted differently in in the way we have sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
All right, time for a short break right here. And we're going to chat some delicious food for a sec. Uh, This is a sponsorship coming to you from Magic Spoon. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast before. And growing up, I would have cereal literally every morning for breakfast. And I know it was full of sugar and a bunch of junk that I really should not have been eating. But now as an adult, I get to enjoy, you know, that childlike childhood feeling of eating cereals like cocoa and and fruity and frosted and, and blueberry. And the taste is really good too, but it has 11 grams of protein and none of that stuff that I don't need. It's keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free, low carb and GMO free. So go on over to magicspoon.com slash Taylor, and you can grab a variety pack to try it out today, but be sure to use our promo code Taylor at checkout to save $5 on your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Taylor and use the code Taylor to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this podcast. And now we can get right on back to the show. I I had definitely heard of like smash the patriarchy, right? But pegging the patriarchy, it's it's different. Uh, It's different. Um, And (laughs) I'm thinking too, for some of our listeners, they might not uh, fully understand the like concept of of pegging, right? Like a fucking, yeah. But um, maybe kind of the context of, of pegging within sexuality and why you would use that term specifically in relation to the patriarchy here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so pegging is a, a form of um, strap-on sex. And so strap-on sex can be um, manifested in all different kinds of fantasies. And so pegging came about from Dan Savage, who was a, an educator, a sex educator, and a columnist. And it and was in the early two- Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's local to you. And, <laughs> and he really had this um, opportunity to kind of reclaim some of the, the anal pleasure for cisgendered heterosexual men who liked receiving anal sex from mostly women. Mm-hmm. And so they came up with pegging as, as a way of capturing that activity. But really, you know, pegging is anal sex for everybody else. You take something up your butt, it's anal sex. But mm-hmm. this is a, a specific fantasy that kind of subverts the role of the woman being the receiver and the man being the giver and so it allows someone to be the penetrator and who's not normally the penetrator and vice versa Mm -hmm. yeah I experienced that a few years ago with someone I was dating um we did a lot of like cuckold stuff and like pegging almost came into play with that and I remember talking to a um a fellow sex therapist who's been on the podcast um and she was like She's like, oh, Taylor, I feel like you would love pegging. She's like, I feel like you would love it. And I was like, I don't know. I've never done anything like that before. <laughs> and I wasn't so, so sure like how I felt about it because for him, it was in this uh, like demeaning way almost that, that it would turn him on. But for me, I didn't like, I don't know. I didn't fully fit with that yet. Um, and, and maybe had we explored it a little bit more than it would have, uh, felt differently, but that was the first time that I had ever like considered like, huh, do I want to peg someone? Do I want to peg some of my, one of my partners? Like would any of my partners like be open to even being pegged? Like, I don't know, bro, like opened up this whole other world. And she was just like, Taylor, like you should definitely like try that. It's, 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 it's like it. <laughs> 
like, yes, put that on the to-do, the fuck it list of things that you want to do. Yeah, it's just like, it, just, it brings out like a different side of, of your personality. And I was like, well, yeah, I can imagine because I've never really fucked anything. I mean, that's not going in my vagina. Yes. Or my absolutely. ass. Like, it's, yeah. uh, I feel like it'd be a totally different mindset that you're in doing that. Yeah, you're so right. And and I think the assumptions around that it has to be humiliating or that the yeah. person strapping it on has to feel more masculine. I actually feel a lot more feminine. I feel mm. this this like different access to a, a specific type of femininity in mm. strapping it on. And so I, I thought I had to be more butch or, or more masculine when I was strapping it on. I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I can draw in all the things that I like about other types of sex, like sensuality or touch or kissing or mm-hmm. being the idea of being inside someone even in the fantasy in itself feels so sexy for me so I think people also use it for gender fuckery they might use Mm -hmm. it to um, play out a specific fantasy of power exchange where one person's submissive and the other person's um, dominant or it could just be hey like I don't want to be the top today I don't want to be the penetrator like can Mm -hmm. you can you do me yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, I've put in a lot of work already. I'm feeling a little tired. <laughs> Can we switch it up a little bit? <laughs> I had a new appreciation for how much work it is to be a top and thrusting. I was like, wow, I am not in shape. Like, this is, I can't, you need to, like, train for pegging. <laughs> Girl, just when I go on top sometimes, I'm like, oh, we gotta, no, this is, I'm like, I've been watching my partner. He's sweating up a storm. I'm just like, yep. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, you work it. You work it, baby. Like, I'm just going to cheer you on. I appreciate this. You're working out those ab muscles. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, it is always a reminder when I am on top of like, I'm really out of shape. Yeah. (laughs) The only reason I want to be fit is to be longer, like longevity in sex. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Need to improve my cardiovascular health so that I can fuck more. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the pegging piece, I think for, for folks, maybe now that they kind of understand a little bit more of that background, pegging isn't something I've really talked about on the podcast before. Um, and I think is something that's pretty left out of our heteronormative mainstream co- sexual culture. Um, so thank you for explaining that. And I think hopefully that uh, puts pegging the patriarchy in a little bit more context for folks. Um, but I love, love that you coined that term and that you're working it because it's so good. Thank so you. Good. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the patriarchy, it really fucks with our sex. It does. It really fucks it with does. our sex. I've it been really considering, does. Uh, I'm in a PhD program right now and considering, you know, what my dissertation will be. And I kind of made a joke in one of my classes of like, my dissertation is going to be how uh, white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy, which are both created from white supremacy, are killing our sex lives. <laughs> oh my God, please, please do this. Please manifest this joke into a thesis. <laughs> like, yes, yes. I was like, it'd be a lot of work. But yeah, it's like so many of the things that I am learning throughout this, you know, kind of expanded version of sex education and, and sexual health and pleasure Everything I'm having to unlearn is coming from either capitalism, patriarchy, or white supremacy. Yep, same. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I found the same thing. I think um, when I started to see how those were all connected and mm-hmm. how they really influenced so much of what I thought was just normal or yeah. this is just what people do, but it was uncomfortable for me in some way or it didn't feel quite right. It really changed even my approach um, to things like dating apps. And mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm banned from so many apps that... <laughs> like, Why are they banning you? So the, I think I, I, like, I think it's the way that the the algorithm, the patriarchy is in the algorithm. Oh, right? absolutely. So, and white supremacy. And white supremacy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the first site that I got banned from was OkCupid. And they banned me because um, I, I guess I was mean to men. Um, but mean being like, I didn't want to talk to them or I said, mm-hmm. no, thank you. Or I didn't respond or I didn't respond with I'm coming over tonight. And so you can be reported for any of these things. Right. And it's just the matter of amount of reports. And so um, yeah, I got banned from there. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened with the the other apps that I got banned from is that I just wasn't behaving in a very submissive, obedient, you know, sugar and spice kind of way without being rude. But I think patriarchy hurts. It has no gender. It hurts everybody. Yeah. And, and so also men are set up to kind of believe that there's an entitlement to being spoken to or treated by or, you know, yeah. access to women's sexuality in a certain way. And so for them, it's quite a shock to be like, oh, wait, you have a desire that is different from my penis? And now I have to, like, negotiate around this? What is this? (laughs) Yes, and like, oh, well, I've said that I want you now, and you're not just automatically also interested in me too? What? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I think it's really frustrating for them too. And it's, it's quite scary for the rest of us who are like, whoa, where's all this anger coming from? Where's all this violent language and threats? And, and the systems are not set up in a way that kind of recognizes that the behavior is different based on things like patriarchy and white supremacy. Mm. I mean, you just let me know what other dating apps and I'll be sliding in some DMs to these brands. Like, excuse me, this is not okay. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) we're coming for you, Tinder. Yeah, we're coming. (laughs) But really, it's, it's, oh my gosh, messed up. All right, it's time for a short break for a little mental health check-in. Friendly reminder that BetterHelp is here to help you live a happier life literally today. BetterHelp is a online service with licensed professional counselors, not a crisis line, but professional, convenient, affordable therapy. You can have therapy via the phone or video chat or even text with the therapist that they will match you in in about 24 hours. It's also free to change and really easy if you're not matched up with a counselor that you feel is best meeting your needs. And the services are available for clients worldwide. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So be sure to check them out. And as a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash talk about it. Again, join over a million people taking care of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash talk about it. And now we can get back to the show. Um, and I mean, all of that, like experiencing those things, you know, are essentially happening in order to push you to conform, to punish you. 
for yes. not conforming. Yes. Um, and so I'm wondering how you navigate all of that and still approach sexuality from a place of confidence. I know you do a lot of uh, one-on-one coaching with people. You also do couples coaching with people. Um, and I know that that has a focus on pleasure and confidence and how dealing with all of those things and our fucked up sex ed, um, you know, how do you focus in on confidence? How do you work to get people there? Ooh, yes. I, I think that's my favorite part of everything that I do is, mm. is really nurturing this idea that you can have the confidence they're telling you you shouldn't have. And, mm. and really reclaiming this idea that my validation for um, my needs, my desires, my safety has to mm-hmm. come from other people. So it's a, it's a reclamation process. Mm. And it takes a lot of unlearning. I think people want to hear like, oh, put on red lipstick and heels and then you'll feel sexy. And it, it's not so much about a arriving at a destination of, of how you look or, you know, what, you know, 10 pounds from now or 10 years from now, it's, it's much more of the sexual confidence actually comes from a place of feeling like you belong in your mm-hmm. sexual experiences and that you have a right to be there and you have a right to pleasure and, and pleasure is all of our, our right. Um, but things like burden, feeling burdened or feeling obligated really takes away from, from that entitlement to pleasure. And um, I try to teach people how to reconnect and build an erotic relationship with the themselves on a daily basis. And so that could be just like, you know, meeting your gaze in the mirror when you're Mm -hmm. washing your hands and like smiling at yourself and winking at yourself or giving yourself permission to feel cute. Mm -hmm. And because no, you know, whether you're in a relationship or not, you still need to build that um, connection to yourself so that when you do get into a sexual situation, you're not digging deep from the depths of, Mm -hmm. you know, eroticness. You're already, your cup is full and someone else gets your overflow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's something that I've been working with clients on that when it comes to several of my clients, actually, and a a lot of people, a lot of listeners as well, um, struggle with just body confidence in general, right? Like, which again, from patriarchy and from capitalism. Uh, Hello. Yeah. Uh, But (laughs) struggle with with body confidence um, of feeling like, you know, well, I'm, I'm not, uh, that Victoria's secret model, you know, I'm not, my body doesn't look like that. And I've been told, you know, that no one's going to want to date me if my body looks like this and, and working with them to reach a place of almost kind of acceptance and neutrality first before reaching that place of confidence, at least has been my approach and has seemed to be helping. Um, But I feel like that's a a huge piece of of what I see in terms of people struggling with confidence in their sexuality is just first struggling with like body confidence and acceptance. Uh, I I think that's, I think that's dead on. Excuse me. I think that there's so many seeds that are planted in us that are telling us that we're not enough. Mm -hmm. And so to even move into, as you described, like this place of just acceptance, like this is the body that I have and it is capable of pleasure. And there is a huge untapped potential for pleasure in it. Mm -hmm. And that can feel way better than, you know, I remember feeling I'm a plus size person. I have a skin problem, you know, and of course we're all aging, you know, nobody's like, 
Clark, except for J Lo somehow. Except like, for J Lo, I know. But we, yeah, J Lo is going to be, you know, just sort of ageless over there. And for the rest of us, you know, we've yeah. got to kind of work with these changing bodies. Mm-hmm. And so building this acceptance, I, I love what, that you talk about it because that's what's going to carry us through all of these changes. That's yeah. what's going to carry us through partners who don't accept us. If your partner's afraid of you gaining weight, that's a problem. Yeah. And that's really about, I mean, sexiness comes from so many other things. Like if you ask people what, you know, what's sexy about someone, they might describe physical things. They might also say, you know, someone's laugh or someone's smile or someone who's kind or someone who's confident in their body. You know, mm-hmm. that's regardless what their body looks like. If they're owning it, that's hot. That's so mm-hmm. sexy. So I love this, this acceptance piece and really not relying on a physical attributes as as having to conform to that white supremacist patriarchal idea mm-hmm. of beauty and sexiness like that's only like one percent of us who've been you know airbrushed and and put up on instagram yeah. and it's not happening like other people who don't have those bodies are having really good sex yeah yep yeah. <laughs> it's it's really a mind fuck when you do start to unlearn all of this stuff because it's like what in the world yeah what have we been told of that why <laughs> why have i been operating from this perspective that i disagree with so much um and that's why i think like a lot of self-compassion comes in because mm. you have to be kind to yourself you have to understand you're not alone in it and you just gotta be mindful of how you feel throughout the whole thing and again from kind of a place of, of acceptance that you know a lot of this was out of your control right like <laughs> you didn't choose to get the sex education that you got like you just got that and it was shitty and now you have to unlearn it (laughs) yes absolutely yeah Yeah. and I love that self-compassion piece because I I think I never get to a point where I feel completely accepting of my body Mm -hmm. and there are days where I want to change it I would trade it in I want to erase it and in those days I have to be like oh you know like let's give ourselves some tenderness because Mm -hmm. this stuff is hard to unlearn and there are huge industries that are billion dollar industries that are benefiting from me feeling like shit absolutely that's powerful yeah (laughs) oh yeah very 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 powerful um I want to switch gears a little bit here because I notice that a lot of what you do talk about what you teach about uh is around anal and we have I mean we just talked about pegging a little bit but um we've talked about anal a little bit on the podcast but uh I want to get more into this in terms of anal gasms. And I've seen that you do some work around that. And I feel like anal does become such this like scary thing for people, both like cis men and and women. Um, And (laughs) wondering, A, first of all, like how did this become such a prominent topic in the work that you cover, (laughs) in the work that you do? How did anal and, you know, experiencing pleasure in our anuses become such this thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. How did I become like the butt stuff lady? I don't know. But I think I think it's because I would go to uh, a workshop or I'd be invited to a home party or a bachelorette party and they'd be like, oh, we want to learn about blowjobs or handjobs. And no matter what, it always ended up in anal. <laughs> 
And so I was like, maybe I should teach this. And I think it's because um, anal is, is, is taboo. It's mm-hmm. alluring. It feels kind of naughty. Um, everyone has a butthole. So it's like the great gender equalizer. And so for some people, anal sex is, is a spot for pleasure. And for other people, it's like, mm, I don't, I'm not really into that. And then there's people in the middle who are like, well, I'm, I might be into it, but I'm worried about poop on my partner. I'm worried about discomfort. I'm worried mm-hmm. about pain or having to wear diapers later in life. And so there's all these myths around anal sex and anal porn is so popular and mm-hmm. anal porn is is it should be our muse instead of like a script for how to do anal sex because it's performance. Yeah. And so I think a lot of even people I've had sex with in either receiving or giving anal have felt like they're fucking like a porn star. And then that's really hot. And I'm like, we need to slow this down. My, my butthole is not in the mood for this. I am, but my butthole is not. We have a dissonance here. So we got to slow it down. I know when you watch it, they're just right there. In the <laughs> That's not what's going to go down right here. You got to go slower, please. Yes. Yes. Please do not break buttholes. They do not <laughs> like to be broken. <laughs> so I started teaching more about anal pleasure anatomy. And you're right, like anal gasms and, and how do you bring pleasure to the anus? It doesn't have to be dependent on penetration or hard thrusting, um, but really understanding, like, how do you maximize this pleasure in the same way we have to learn how to maximize pleasure of clitorises and for mm-hmm. penises and for other body parts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had a client who... Um, was interested in experiencing anal sex, um, but she was really scared of it and uh, was really scared that, you know, the first time she did it, that it wasn't going to be enjoyable, that something was going to go wrong, that it was going to be painful. And so I kind of started to ask her about what her first experiences were like with penetrative vaginal sex. And were those really pleasurable right off the bat? And, you know, was that painful for you? And uh, she kind of got to a point where she was kind of like, okay, I get what you're getting at. Like the first time you do it, you don't know. And that doesn't mean you don't try again. (laughs) And I was like, "Mm, yeah, you know, it's okay for it to be a little bit scary because you haven't done it yet, right? And, you know, after you first have vaginal penetrative sex, you might realize I didn't really like that. Or maybe next time we need to do this differently. And kind of similar when it comes to like approaching anal sex, I feel like, um, because it does... There's so so many like associations to it that like, and, and we kind of walk through those too, right? Of like, what are those words that just come to your mind when you think of a woman who's having anal sex, right? Like dirty, whore <laughs> um, for, for cis men, right? Like, what do you think of when you think of receiving anal play? I'm gay. Okay. Well, yeah. no, as, as Dr. Joe Court says, your, your anus does not have a sexual orientation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> yes. Yes. All of these like assumptions around, you know, like, like anal sex. I love all the puns. I love all the booty puns. Yeah. Bring me the booty puns. <laughs> the assumptions. Yeah. We got to assumptions. Our assumptions. <laughs> 
Exactly. Exactly. Because anal pleasure anatomy doesn't work like that. And this like poke, 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 stuff it in within like five seconds. It, it doesn't give the anus enough time to get aroused and it doesn't give your body enough time to like sink into this new pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just doesn't, it doesn't actually fit the way that the mechanics of, of anal pleasure works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to warm it up first. Absolutely. And most people think that, you know, spit is lube and, you know, like (laughs) spit's cute. It's not lube. (laughs) You don't lick your lips when you need chapstick. So don't do that to your butthole. (laughs) Don't put chapstick on your butthole, but don't don't put spit on it either. (laughs) Absolutely. Love this conversation right now. Uh, And so recently, I feel like I've seen you. share your work and 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 tips and whatnot around butt plugs can we talk about like why someone would use a butt plug and how that comes into play uh with anal sex yes yes i love that question because i think people are like why do you just want to put something up there and leave it up there and it goes back to this idea of like thrusting is the best thing to do um but but actually the the ass needs anal training and so the the rectum has tissue and muscle and so the tissue needs to get you know slowly tougher with with smaller penetration leading to bigger penetration and the muscle needs to get more flexible and and kind of build up as we get into more penetration so moving from a pinky finger to a penis, it's too big of a jump for most people. So most people really need an opportunity to kind of play with with either a butt plug during masturbation. You could put a butt plug in during penetration so that your body's already responding Mm -hmm. responding to other pleasure that you like and your butt's just kind of relaxing around the plug. So in addition to adding sensation and pleasure, that fullness within the anus and all those delicious nerve endings get stimulated by butt plugs, especially vibrating ones, mm-hmm. um, they, it, it just adds to this like overall anal arousal. Mm-hmm. So does our poop not train our anuses in that way? When I first had anal sex... <laughs> I can't tell myself, Mm-mm, that's not about to fit in there. <laughs> not about to fit in there. And then I was like, literally, like, as it's happening, I'm like thinking about like, okay, what's like the largest poop I've ever had? Have I had a poop that was as big as my boyfriend's penis? <laughs> and I was like, you know what, Taylor, you have had some huge poops. Um, you're going to be okay. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna fit this in. Cause you've had some really large poops. Does that have have people said that to you before? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You are amongst the poop champions that I've heard this from. (laughs) And the monster poops, yeah. (laughs) Because, yeah, like the training piece, like, makes sense, right? That, like, certainly for some people going straight from, like, you know, a pinky to a penis is too big of a jump. And you might not be relaxed even, right, for that to even – for, for your anus to even be open, for the muscles to even be relaxed enough to take that in. But uh, I definitely went from finger straight to penis. 
But maybe that was because I was just very relaxed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you're very relaxed, that's totally good. And if your partner has taken time to like arouse you and you've got enough relaxation, you can move from that. Um, Lots of people get frustrated moving from finger to penis because they'll experience like a burning sensation and they kind of push past it. They're just like, okay, I'm just going to take it because it's supposed to hurt, you know. (laughs) And that, that like burning sensation is actually your anal tissue micro tearing. And so we don't want these these micro tears within your ass. So it might not feel like the same kind of discomfort as like cervical discomfort where it feels like Mm -hmm. you've been like punched in the gut. Um, But it can feel like other types of discomfort that we just think that, oh, anal sex is supposed to hurt. So I'm going to push past this and it'll be okay. Mm. Um, But your yeah, your poop doesn't really train you for, (laughs) I'm picturing you like, like at the anal poop Olympics with like, you know, (laughs) like on the podium being like, you got the gold medal for the biggest. I got my squatty potty with me. It's It's I definitely, I definitely have experienced that burning that you're talking about. And that is usually when I, there there have been times where I'm like, okay, I know this is just going to be like literally 30 seconds of this and then it's going to feel really good. So I'm like, okay, just let's do it. But then other times where I feel that burning and then I'm like, okay, wait, go back out. Let's grab a little bit more lube. Yeah. I'm going to like rub my ass around the tip of your penis a little bit more and you're just going to stand there and I'm going to slowly work my way and push myself into you. Yes. Going into me. Yes. Give the power to the bottom. You yeah. get to like control the depth. And I think that also helps um, penises because sometimes penises will start to lose confidence in that they're trying to get it in. They can't get it in. And then they get kind of soft and, and they're pushing against the anus, mm-hmm. which the most of the burning is the immediate kind of like one inch or the rim of the, mm-hmm. the butthole, which is that tissue is just so delicate. Um, but, but yeah, like if you're doing this where you get to take control and so you feel like I trust me to push down on my body, um, then that can also help you avoid a lot of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always been like where I tell all my girlfriends, like when they're going to yeah. have it, I'm like, no, you are going, you are pushing it in. He needs to just stand there. Just stand there. Just be yeah. like a human dildo and you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the one area where it's not an issue that I'm out of shape and haven't like increased my cardiovascular health because <laughs> it's just hip motions. Okay. I'm just, I'm just rotating my hips around the penis <laughs> And it feels good. It's not a huge workout. And then once it feels okay, then it's like, then he can thrust a little bit more. Um, yes. That's always the biggest tip that that I give. But I, I hear what you're, what you're saying too around butt plugs and just the fullness of it. Um, just feeling that, that weight and that heaviness within your anus, especially if you are also receiving, um, whether it's like, you know, oral sex or... Um, fingering or rubbing or hand job or whatever it is on the other side on your genitals that that just increases the pleasure all around because I mean your anus has a ton of nerve endings in addition so yes it's a lot of fullness Absolutely. And for vulva owners, butt plugs kind of like some people feel that they push up and create more of a connection to the G spot if you're being Mm -hmm. penetrated vaginally. And then for penis owners, I mean, you've got the prostate, which is going to get indirect stimulation from a butt plug. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk a little bit about like anal gasms exactly? So for like... 
for people who have penises and their prostate, like how, how do they reach anal gasms just through that prostate stimulation? I know it's like walnut size inside. And yeah, I love that your finger went instinctively. To- <laughs> it happens to me too. I'm like prostate. And I'm like, what are you doing finger? <laughs> I've only, I've really only been able to do it. Like, twice I think with one partner like years ago and he was already he already very much enjoyed it like he already knew that was something that he liked and was open to it and every other like partner that I've tried it with they haven't really been into it and it's been something that they're kind of like you can try it but I don't really think anything and then some were like we've almost maybe got there where it's like almost starting to feel pleasurable obviously using lube, obviously um, going really slowly, have used gloves at times. Um, but yeah, curious what your what your tips are on that. Yeah. I mean, I love a glove. I think they just look sexy. I feel like, oh, I'm like getting ready to like anally probe somebody. Um. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I'm about to give you a procedure right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a like, sexy be a good procedure. Patient. Yeah. <laughs> But with analgasms, um, for if you have a penis and a prostate, an analgasm isn't like a, a specific type of um, orgasm in the way that we talk about G-spot orgasms or like cervical orgasms or P-spot orgasms. It's kind of about bringing stimulation and arousal to the anus, and it may provoke or amplify other types of orgasm because mm-hmm. you're engaging in sensation in the pelvic floor, in the anus, in all those nerve endings around the bladder. Um, if you're doing prostate-specific, um, stimulation or or techniques that can produce a different type of orgasm using the same kinds of areas, but with more intentional uh, focus and stimulation to the prostate. Which really, I mean, the prostate really likes uh, like you did your curved fingers, so mm-hmm. it's got it's got more of a curvature, and it likes firm and continuous kind of mm-hmm. pressure. So I actually really like toys. For, for prostate play because my fingers can't, they just don't have enough. I'm, again, I'm not in shape for yeah. anal fingering. And <laughs> I think that is literally my most recent experience that I had with, with doing that. We got to a point where like it was feeling like decently good for him. And he was like instructing me to like continue in that same motion. Just like, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. But then I'm like, oh my God, but he fingers me so well. It's like, Taylor, get it together. Like, come on. I know you're like, can I like switch out for the other hand, like real quick? Yeah. Or like, will he notice? <laughs> Toys are important tools. I know. I'm like breathing through a finger cramp. I'm like, we can do this. <laughs> Just make it happen. Yes. Yes. So is there a toy that does similar, like that finger motion? I feel like most of the butt plugs that I've seen are just like, they just go in. Yeah. Like they don't even necessarily really have like a curvature to them even. And then they vibrate, but nothing that's like, are there ones that are like in that finger motion? Yeah. Um, any kind of, any G-spot toys actually can be used oh, for, for yeah. prostate areas. Um, but I really like toys that have a little bit of weight to them. So mm-hmm. if you're using like stainless steel toys, because that also gives more sensation with you having to do less. Yeah. And and stainless steel toys, um, my favorite actually right now is, it's one called the Swerve. And it's from Luand. And Luand's got this like amazing collection of, of like prostate stuff and like um, vulva owner stuff. But I like it because 
because it's already in that shape. And so whether you're using it just on yourself, if you're the you're masturbating with it or somebody else is using it on you, you just kind of rock it back and forth. And so there isn't a ton of, you know, like... <laughs> I feel like I'm giving really lazy tips for the, the know, lazy like, prostate stimulator. We're, we're apparently really like lazy lovers over here. I know I'm so lazy. But, like, but I that promise I get in I get into the blowjob piece, okay? I get into there, but like the hand motion, like it's no. Exactly. I know. And like one of your arms is going to be like way more built than the other one. I don't know. (laughs) It is. It is. Yep. Yep. But that can help it. And I think some prostate owners like um, stimulation to their penis at the same time, but Mm -hmm. some of them find it too overwhelming. So you might be getting Mm -hmm. anal stimulation to your prostate, but like your dick isn't hard and that's okay. That, Mm -hmm. that you can still have an analgasm or a prostate gasm that way too. Hmm. Yeah. I definitely find whenever I do have anal sex, my vagina gets literally like Niagara Falls wet. Like the most wet that I ever am in my life is when I have anal sex. And that's when I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is no joke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. You're getting all this arousal, all this stimulation. And if your mind is into it because you like it, you enjoy it, you're having with trusted partners, Mm -hmm. then your brain is like, oh my God, how hot are we? How hot is this? And it just like sends Mm -hmm. more blood flow, more arousal, more um, opening up of tissue. And so it makes sense to me that you'd be like Mm -hmm. super gushy Mm -hmm. during anal. Yeah. Yeah. It also reminds me, um, you know, when we talk about those assumptions that people can make, um, <laughs> one of the things I talked with my client about too, that I've like afterwards was like, oh yeah, maybe I, maybe I do that a little bit when I do have anal sex of almost like taking on that personification of what those assumptions are, um, to where it is a little bit more taboo. And maybe that is what makes it a little bit more exciting. And maybe we can lean into that tabooness of like being a little bit more naughty, right? Or being um, a little bit more like promiscuous, right? Even if the act itself isn't necessarily factually those things, um, we can kind of get into the play of that a little bit. And maybe that is what adds to some of that fun. Yeah, you said my favorite word, play, like mm-hmm. let go of, you know, whatever and, and lean into it if that feels good. If the shame mm-hmm. is, is getting in the way of what you're doing, then yes, like, you know, figure out a way, either communicate with your partner, like, hey, I feel this way. Like, can we get some reassurance that I'm not actually an anal whore or whatever? <laughs> but if you get turned on by being a butt slut, then yeah, mm-hmm. like ride that vibe because when mm-hmm. else do you get to experience that type of intense erotic emotion? It's contained to this experience. And so mm-hmm. if it uses um, your arousal system and if it uses your your pleasure, then rock it. Yeah. 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 I knew using that word play was going to resonate with you. I feel like you have a very, uh, very playful, very um, engaging approach to how you talk about sexuality and, um, you know, how you teach about it as well. And I'm wondering if you can touch on that a little bit, like if that's something that's just really authentic to you or something that, you know, you found to be really important for some reason when talking about sex. Oh yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that you resonate with that or that it Mm -hmm. it resonates with you. Um, I think that a lot of times we think that those awkward and silly moments that happen during sex, you know, you sweat on your partner or I've got Mm -hmm. a good like bacon pussy story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
So any of the the silliness that that kind of comes with sex, we're told is you know antithetical to to pleasure, and mm-hmm. and really that goes back to that we think sex should be performance, and that it should look a certain way, and that certain people you know are supposed to be more demure, and that means this, and it, it says something about who we are. Patriarchy. And I think when patriarchy, yeah, let's just name it again. Like patriarchy, it's just yeah, it really is like messing up my clit and, <laughs> yep. and I don't like that yep. so, <laughs> but I think when when you start to play more and you let go of that perfection like silly is actually sexy mm-hmm. and and it becomes this this joyous you know this this like let's like you know set ourselves free from all of these expectations and really sink into sensation so play mm-hmm. also helps people who have trouble kind of getting stuck in their head to get back into their body because mm-hmm. you're, if you forget about what you're supposed to look like, smell like, taste like, and you're just like, Oh my God, it feels so good to stretch my arm this way or to arc my back or to grind my hips. Then, then you actually start to enjoy stuff better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's like the, the freedom of, of being in your sexuality. Yeah. Like really enjoyable and leads to a lot so of pleasure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for for a lot of people, they worry about, you know, do I taste bad? Do I smell bad? And, and that actually steals from your pleasure. Like you can't (laughs) come on someone's face if you're worried about, you know, do you smell funny? Do you smell like a vagina? Because vaginas are not supposed to smell like lavenders and roses. They smell like vaginas. Dicks don't have this expectation that they're supposed to smell like steak and cupcakes. And we still embrace the natural sense of dicks. There's no industry telling dicks to smell any differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to hear my bacon pussy story? I, yes, I do. That was, I was going to ask that before we wrapped up. So yes, please. Bacon pussy. Okay. So it, it was my birthday and I had taken myself out for brunch and I, I had bacon and then my partner had come over in the, the evening. And so we were face sitting and then we were 69ing. And then after I orgasmed, I went up to kiss his mouth and I was like, babe, did you have bacon today? <laughs> He's like, no. And then I was like, wait, I had bacon today. <laughs> and so like the bacon flavor had actually gone into my vaginal fluids. <laughs> and, like, and we were both so chill about it. He was like, oh, yeah, it was a little bit saltier than normal, but like, it's fine. And so when you, when you have this, like, this acceptance, I felt so free. I yeah. felt so like, oh my God, my body's just doing this thing. People mm-hmm. fart during sex. I sweat yeah. so much during sex. Like, mm-hmm. And if you get into your head about like, my partner isn't going to love me anymore, or I'm not going to, I'm going to be completely undesirable to anybody on this planet. If I ever fart during sex or my fluids taste off, or you shit on someone's toy during sex or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, you really start to, you shrink, you tame yourself, you edit yourself in your sexual experiences. Yeah. And we got, we can't do that. We shouldn't do that. that no, I would have denied him bacon pussy. I mean, bacon pussy was delicious, apparently. I, <laughs> I mean, and that really is amazing too, though, because that's just like your, your body doing its thing. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. that. And I hate that we get so much shame and we get so upset at our bodies for doing these things that are so natural and are actually working for us, but that we think because of what we've been told by white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy um, are things that we should feel shame about. Yes. And it's bullshit. Yes. The Holy Trinity is like fucking us up. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is. 
I think even with period sex or, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of things that that really our bodies are just doing what they're doing. Or Mm -hmm. we have all this stigma around people whose bodies are differently um, or like have different capacities or maybe Mm -hmm. someone comes really quickly or someone has erectile dysfunction or like all of these different things are doesn't mean that someone is any less sexy. It just means, oh, cool. I have an opportunity to learn about how to pleasure Mm you. Yeah everyone's going to have a different little sexual roadmap and it's a really fun explorative adventure to figure that out. It's going to be different for everyone. And I wish, and I hope that we can approach that with more excitement and curiosity and adventure than this like pressure and stress and performance um, or obligation, right? That we can move away from some of those things. And I think one of the huge reasons why people are even able to do that is because of people like you that are doing this work to where people are actually able to start unlearning this stuff and have safe spaces and fun spaces to learn about sex. I feel like everything on your page, like you make like very fun. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that's the vibe, right? Like welcoming, fun, safe. Yeah. It's definitely the vibe. You always have like your big smile on and I'm like, she's, she's having so much fun out here. (laughs) I really am. I'm like, my life is, I'm like, I have my Volvo puppet on this shoulder, my ass puppet on the other shoulder. Like, it's like, yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm so happy that we were able to have you on today. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about um, your page, your webinars, your coaching, all the places that people can find you and potentially work with you or, or learn from you. Yeah, thank you. I've had such a good time today, too. Thank you yeah. for this conversation. I'm sweating in, in good joy. <laughs> it's my glow now. It's going to be my Taylor glow. Yeah. Um, I On my website, I've got about over 30 on-demand webinars. So everything from, like, feminine dominance to threesomes to oral sex, all kinds of stuff up there that people can access at any time. Mm-hmm. And I am the lucky, I don't know, what is my life, and don't tell my mom, that I am the host of an anal sex podcast called The Plug, which is sponsored yeah. by B-Vibe. And um, every week we're talking about a different anal topic. So we have recently covered prostates and uh, we're coming up to analgasms, eating ass and pegging are the next few. Ooh, yeah. Um, and yeah, I love to to work with couples or individuals one-on-one because often that's a space where you get to center your specific desires. Mm-hmm. And my coaching is very much supportive and like, let's mm-hmm. plan out what's good for you and I got you. And so yeah. this is, this is a, a lovely opportunity, especially around this time of year where people are Mm -hmm. focused on you know like diets and like new year new this and it's like no like you can change yeah stop it stop it you Mm -hmm. you can edit or change whenever you want and it doesn't have to be because some industry is making money off a campaign for it yeah (laughs) yeah. tell it Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) oh he brought up ass eating and I'm like yeah we didn't talk about that but that is a great topic as well And you're going to cover that in the podcast? Yes, yes, yes. We'll be talking about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, That's an amazing topic. Eat it like a donut hole. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Nicki Minaj says in one of her songs, uh, make him eat my ass like a cupcake. And that has always been like one of my favorite lines of any rap song ever. And if I'm like not even in the mood whatsoever, but like he just starts like kissing my butt and then like going in my crack. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm ready. Where do you want to go? Where? Yep. Yep. I'm That's here. your button. It's your button. 
It's Taylor's button. <laughs> it is. It is so good. It's so good. Um, thank you so, so much for coming on. And we'll have the links to all of the resources, all the things that you just mentioned um, in the episode notes. So listeners, be sure to go and check all of that out. Uh, Luna, can you just say uh, the name of your Instagram so people can make sure to follow you there? Oh, yes, yes. It's at Luna Matata. So it's like Hakuna Matatas, but Luna Matatas. <laughs> Love it. Amazing. Thank you so much for everything today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right? And, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's some for everyone the brain candy podcast find our link in the show notes or simply search for the brain candy podcast on your podcast app surgeons keep our hearts beating they do the amazing help save lives and so can you your csl plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day every plasma donation helps more than you know do the amazing help save lives donate today at your local csl plasma center and be rewarded for your generosity